0: Just a quick message to say, this week we cover topics around mental health and some of you might find this content difficult to listen to. Just thought I'd let you know before we jump in. With that said, please enjoy this independent podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to How To Break An Artist. This is episode four. What are we talking about today, if Songwriting and... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what else songwriting a yeah, life we are going back to basics basically we realise we covered a lot in the last four weeks uh, speaking to Greg last week that was an absolute honour what a hero that guy is um, and yet we've just covered a lot we've spoken about a lot and yeah maybe gotten quite ahead of ourselves <laughs> uh, there's a lot a lot to explain uh, in in the conversations we've been having, I suppose, what would you think, Fionn? Like like when we go back to the first episode, yeah. Publishing deals, record deals. You know, I feel like there's just a lot of explaining to do, if there's some people who know nothing about music, for example.
1: I think especially with your news the other week, we know what that all means. But I think it would be good at some point to like explain the intricacies of what
0: it means. Um, yeah.
1: Because I'm so sick of explaining it to people <laughs> when they ask
0: me. <laughs> so I'd love to know. Because I had an idea of how songs were written before I got into music. Do you mm. remember what your idea of that was? It felt mystical. It felt
1: um, like, yeah, you go on to an album. I was going to say you go onto to Spotify, but I have to talk to Greg. I'm going to stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> a, yeah, you, you purchase a, a physical copy of an album. And, yeah. um, but like, I don't know. It's like when you get the finished product, like... I know there's something magic about it, like it affects you. And to think about how it's made is like it feels like a folktale or something, really. And there's always those ones that are there.
0: But do um, you like, because I feel like when I was 14, 15, and I was listening to music, and I don't know why this is coming Britney Spears, for example. Yeah. I, I wasn't listening to Britney Spears <laughs> when I was that age, but even are. in my head, an artist like that was mm. the sole writer on their songs. I had no idea co-writing existed I really I knew it existed but I didn't know it was so widespread I thought Britney's Britney that's what's exactly what she's saying there's no other writers involved yeah however soon as I got into music professionally that bubble was popped you know and then I learned about Elvis I think was the first artist I was like well he didn't write his own songs you know Mm -hmm. um uh, yeah, I was wondering, do you have like a similar perception? Obviously you were gotten into Passenger and stuff, so maybe not because he is an artist who writes his own songs, you know?
1: It definitely did change when I'm. Um, ironically Spotify did change it in a sense because you can see the credits and they're so okay. accessible on every song. When you go onto the credits on Spotify and you see there's either two writers, sometimes there's like eight. Um like that that changed it. I at least I remember like and it was only in the last few years um probably since meeting you as well that i actually realized that that was like a factor behind the songs it wasn't just like you know i don't know what i imagined hudson taylor songs being written
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) actually that's interesting how would you how do you think you might not have thought about it but how do you think you would have thought a hudson taylor song was written you know the first one you heard cinematic lifestyle for example
1: uh just two brothers in arms best friends sitting down to to write a song um yeah bananas in pajamas uh, or something
2: yeah exactly
0: just just like that uh no it was like an organized co-writing session one of the first that we did when we moved to london to kind of pursue music seriously but look we'll get into all this songwriting business later in the episode first like i think it'd be lovely to just thank everybody really for the last Hmm. four weeks it's been it's just been so overwhelming i found it quite overwhelming but also just yeah really positive um Overall.
1: Yeah, it's been like I thought this was gonna be a side project. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, until we released the first episode and I was like, oh okay. Um it's yeah. been amazing.
0: It just seems there's well, what's nice is there's a demand for these kind of conversations, uh, amongst artists and fans as well, which is and other musicians and any creative really. Um no, it's 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 been amazing to reflect on it and yeah, to to just see how it's how, how it's impacting people and then also involve other people, like involving Greg last week. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It was so nice to have an endorsement like that. Um and then yeah, other than that, like just thanking everybody for who's listening and supporting the tips we've received and the little messages. It's, it's just it's so nice and it just keeps keeps us going. Um and we really, really do appreciate it. So thank you so much for supporting us. As you've noticed, we're an independent podcast. So, honestly, your support means a lot. Um, and, yeah, we, we we love doing this. Long may that continue. Isn't that right, Fanon? Definitely, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, we've also received loads of messages and uh, from artists and fans um, who've just had loads of different thoughts to share and stories to share about their experience in the music industry as well. Like, obviously, last week we heard from Greg, who is an artist who's been through it. But what's kind of becoming that's quite I'm getting quite worried about it is the amount of young artists coming in with their stories and telling us about yeah. how it is now to be making music. You know, being like emerging artists for example, you'd know all about that Fionon you know, after mm-hmm. your first release, do you know? Yeah. Um so well one message I saw today or as a post do you want to read it out Funon? You know? Yeah. So Ellie and Nick on, um my right? just in case i, I butcher you are thing. Okay, <laughs> you cool. are Sorry. yeah <laughs> so they've been listening to the podcast and like each week they give us a review and it's often like just so nice yeah. and and so unique and just like, so, like. yeah they absolutely <laughs> zero out of five um but it's great to hear how much they've been thinking about the po- like what we what we've been saying and how they've you know um yeah they've they've come out really honestly on instagram and explained a bit of their process and a bit of how how they work their musical career I and mean, now yeah, go on to none okay it i am
1: dyslexic i'm gonna do my best here go on uh, they said we've been listening to the, this great already fucked up <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: we've been listening to this great podcast how to make an artist all about the music industry hosted by alfie and so here's a bit of our reality Nikon works full-time. I work freelance in industries that aren't music. We use the money we earn to fund our daily living and everything musical. Most people don't realize that it even costs money to just get your music on Spotify, let alone the costs of the equipment, the time it takes to write and create the music. It's safe to say if you added it it all up. That's a tongue twister. That is a tongue twister. Oh, Jesus. It's safe (laughs) to say if you added it all up, music would total up to a debt for us for a lot of people they wouldn't understand why we keep doing it with little to no success less than 30 monthly spotify listeners or no financial loss however we absolutely love writing songs we've always said we may not be the best performers or singers but we adore the songs we get to write together i disagree
0: and with that they're amazing performers I do too. and singers they're lovely. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: having to having a creative outlet is so worthwhile and success can be defined in so many different ways i so say yeah, thank you if you do listen to our songs even if it's only once We love what we do and can't wait to share more tunes with you very soon. 2023 has been our 10th year of making music together. Watch out. 2024 is going to be filled with music. Oh That's really lovely and I think they're yeah, I think they're brilliant. I love their music. They
0: are brilliant. They're such their harmonies are on point their playing's on point they're so cool and um yeah, what's just really nice about that and we'll touch on this later in the episode is it's like they love songwriting. That's the Mm -hmm. reason they're doing it and um I mean, it's tra- absolutely tragic that music can't support them, and you know because they are very good, and they put, as I said, ten years into it. Um, yeah. it can't, it can't support them, um, financially. You know, like like I said, yeah. it's it's a debt for them to take on. Um, mm-hmm. but no, uh, we we continue to support you, Ellie and Nickon, and um, mm, yeah, thank thank you for everything you're doing and all the support you give this podcast as well. Um, fair fucking play to you. And I got a message as well uh, from a young artist who would have supported, like, Hudson Taylor in the past. Um, And let's see where he's at now. Yeah, he supported my band a couple of times. Uh, really talented singer, really nice guy. Like, you know, has, like, a great artist. Great songs as well. Like, good pop sensibilities about him. And, um, you know, was getting up there on the Irish circuit playing, playing, good shows and stuff and he got onto to me anyway and he said, Hi Alfie, hope you're well brother. Good to see the lovely response to your podcast. It's honestly so deserved. Well, thank you. Uh, and he said, I met you for the first time in 2019 when you guys had me for a support slot uh, and I knew you were down to earth. He supported many bands and he thought we were sound and we stood out from the rest. Thank you. That's very cool. It's good to know. Um, He says, I'm so happy to see the podcast doing well and the advice is really helpful. Now, he goes on to say, I've had run-ins with A&Rs from major labels and one was so close to signing me. I had my bags packed and all. But they decided to pull the plug on the deal last minute and they told me they were only signing TikTok artists at the moment. They proceeded to tell me to go viral on TikTok and then would reconsider. Nine months in talks and that's how it ended. Heartbreaking stuff. But I took a wee break from music, went to therapy and now I'm back releasing again and feeling good. I mean, so, that's just tragic. Like, yeah. that's so sad. And any label is going to tell that to you. I, w- I wouldn't give them the time of day, if I'm honest. Um, mm. I, but it's sad because if a major label comes up to you, you think they've all the answers. But that's very sad. And it's also a sad sign of, like, what kind of... We were touching on last week with Greg, like, the development of artists. That seems yeah. to have gone. Like, they're, they're basically coming, oh, we like you, but... Go off and develop yourself. Yeah. Spend loads of time and energy making videos for no money for nine months while we just decide yeah. whether or not we want to work you,
1: you know? That's different than what it was before. Surely, like, you develop with the label, and then there was also a separate kind of way of doing it, which is building your own thing and then going down that route so you had some kind of leverage or something. Or like
0: Yeah. Well, like a so- label it would be almost in a label's interest to get on board early so they could have a say in the creative side and, you know, develop an artist that way. I was, sort of had that experience with uh, my first label, you know. uh, We were allowed to develop over three years and record and uh, given a series of trial and error. Um, How do you find
1: that in London and just uh, having that space?
0: Well, like now, I look back, I go, that was class, what an amazing experience. And like, you know, Hmm. I have that experience and now I can but it's a good use, do you know? Um, so it was great to have that. However, as we discussed, like it costs a lot and yeah. I suffered the financial consequences of that development and of those trials and of those errors. So um, like it's good and bad. The experience, I try and see it positively. The experience will, you know, I got to work in those studios, got to make music videos, do all this stuff and I have that experience. So it was good. And yeah, it's just interesting to know how a major label develops a band, you know. Um, yeah. But, but like, we didn't get a number one fucking American album, so it's like, you know, it's like, yes, I'm happy it's happened, but it doesn't guarantee your route to success. Yeah, just say like, look, don't don't put all this weight behind what a major label says. If they're going to tell you to wait nine months, well, like, try and get That's some bad. money off them or something to, do, to get yeah. something in writing. Like, don't just. You know, like, and I'm She's not saying around. it's, yeah. And and like, I'm not saying you've been, you know, it's their fault at all. It's not the artist's fault. Like, yeah, everyone wants to sign these things. I was telling you the other day, I had a friend get in contact and say, oh, it's so interesting to hear about the ins and outs. I'm in a band and I'm telling you, if we got offered something, I'd sign it no matter what. Mm. You know, uh, like, yeah. no matter what, even after hearing this stuff. And I think. It's just really interesting, and it goes back to like it's going to be hard to combat some of these things. Um, you know how many stories do you have to hear of artists being fucked up to to realize that might not be the only route? And, it's tough,
1: though, isn't it? To like, yeah, you have if you have enough to start out with and to get you through the first period of your career and that like development. Surely there comes a point where the stresses of keeping it going, of making the next recording, all these things like clash with the fact that you have to pay rent and you have to like. You have a, like the, each year, <laughs> each each year you grow older. You're like you want a bit more security. Like it's, I don't know if a label would observe that and then offer a shitty deal because they know the position of the artist. Or uh, maybe that's mm. really cynical.
0: Well, it's sad because what I what really is starting to bug me about everything at the moment is like to do music, you have to be extremely privileged. Um, yeah. You know, because the amount of time and energy it takes to actually do this. And so the only like, I don't want to hear art from the extremely just art from the extremely privileged, you know. Um, I, I'm i kind of thinking like it's this whole podcast and all this whole situation has it's got me thinking about all of that stuff. It's like, yeah, our labels even thinking about that as well. Like, is this artist going to be able to survive, give me their time of day yeah. and get get through just the cost of living at the moment and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, I, I just I don't know this message is really sad because that's probably happening to so many people right now um, social, social media people go off and develop out. yeah go off and fucking develop yourself for nine months and then we'll think about signing you like because again you could get signed in nine months time or you yeah. couldn't and you could get turned away and your hopes and dreams and your nine months of fucking doing stuff on TikTok could have you know it could like that stuff can really affect you like I told yeah. you before it's like I've tried that stuff, like doing 100 videos online and like when it doesn't work after 100 videos, <laughs> like, you know, it does affect you. You're working for free. You're trying to do this and you're, you're investing in something, hoping it's going to give back and it and it doesn't give back. So yeah. it's a double sting. It's a sting from the label. And then it's a rejection from, well, I don't know. Hopefully it's worked for him on TikTok. You know, that's all I'll say. And, and like. Did he have the, a manager or a team behind them? Or is it just him? Going it through those negotiations. sounds like it could have been just him, maybe. I don't that know. Could it be could be. As well. could, could be. It could be. Yeah, uh, because uh, like I would have had in in negotiations in the past a manager fight in my corner. Yeah, and they would have said nine months. Are you mad? If you're going to make us wait for nine months, you know, and and I yeah. don't know. So so that's that's another. And we'll speak about management uh, in, in the next couple of episodes. You know, it's mm. a big. That's the biggest role in an artist's career, in my opinion. And if you don't Should have it should be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have a manager, you've got to ensure that you're managing yourself, and that can be really difficult when you know you're at the start of your career, trying to get that off the ground. And you know, you might not know much about the business, but big leg lab- label exec comes along, they know about the business, and yeah, and signs signs your life away, you know, you sign your life away, you know, um, or you get strung along for nine months. That's
1: just heartbreaking. It's like lack of knowledge is power for the people who have the knowledge
0: it is it is i can relate to all this because you know i signed a deal obviously i was an adult i had legal advice and all the rest of it but like i said like you don't understand the true consequences of them until you're an adult paying rent way later in life and you're going where the fuck is my (laughs) where the fuck is (laughs) you know it's like Yeah. yeah it just um it's it's a lot to try and understand and actually Going back to 1985, (laughs) I was reading for a bit of research. Listen to this. This is, by the way, just for context, if you're only tuning in now. Well, if you're only tuning in now, go back and listen from the start. But um, also, this is a book from 1985 on how to get a hit record. And this is one of his hit tips. And he says, it is impossible to teach experience. That is why vulnerable, hopeful kids will always fall prey to the experienced, persuasive sharks of the music business. If your music experience is limited to school, college, playing with mates in the local circuit, you're likely to have a very one-dimensional view of what is good and what is bad. Quite simply, you won't have heard enough live music to have any objectivity about yourself. Hmm. The best way to overcome this is to listen to as many records as possible in an analytical way rather than just for, for enjoyment. Equally important is getting out to see other bands perform. This can be the greatest education of all. If you don't like a particular act, watching their show with a professional eye can earn you many tips and hints which you can adapt and translate to your own needs. That's so true. So I found that very interesting, but it touches on like these the first little bit where he says, you know, these persuasive sharks of the music business, people will fall prey to them because they know about the music business. Biz- uh, the, the sharks know about the music in, uh, business, but young artists scrambling to get their career off the ground doesn't
1: and then there's tiktok and there's like an app where it's it's, all, it's just like endless
0: people i mean it's a slot it's like a slot machine do you know yeah. it's like it's a complete gamble i think um but anyway found that quite interesting um then yeah i mean the other one the other one is it's really had an impact on me and mm. Safe to say you as well, if you're not. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm very sorry now. <laughs> and just us as a podcast. Um, it stopped me in my tracks. I saw this post and I know this artist. That's kind of, I suppose, really hit home for me because when I met them initially, it was in Limerick about maybe two years ago. And like big excitable eyes, really talented, really just up and buzzing for music, had really good crew around them, like good musicians and all sorts of things. And I really, I was really, really excited for them and their career and all the rest of it and um, kept in contact ever since. But this is basically the first thing I've seen from them in a while.
2: Yeah. And
0: I'd noticed they kind of dripped off the radar and I did kind of wonder why. And this video explains why, basically. And um, no, I'm really, really proud of this artist. Their name's Abe Soara. They're qu- quite young, like maybe even younger than you. If you know, twenty two, twenty two. I'm not sure. Um, but just listen to how they're speaking about. the I'm just gonna just gonna play it. Mm-hmm.
2: Hello. <laughs> I have been sitting here, thinking, 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 of what I'm gonna say. <laughs> And I just decided that I'm going to be. Honest. That's all I ever wanted to be was honest, you know? I've taken. A break from music for a while, cause. I completely burnt myself out. <laughs> to be honest, I completely burnt myself out. I was, I was gigging way too much. <laughs> way, way too much. And. I was constantly pursuing something, do you know? I. I completely. Cut out every other aspect. Of my life, you know? Whether that be socializing, just for the crack of socializing. With no music involved in it, you know? I am. Um, I just really narrowed my, my world into focusing on one thing. Which was music, you know. And I love it and I always will love it, you know. But at the end of the day the scope just got narrower and narrower and I stopped looking after myself, you know. I completely <clears throat> I there's some days that I'd go straight from work to a gig without eating, like, you know. But I don't want this to be a pity party either because I'm, I'm currently the happiest I've ever been in my life and the most free I've ever felt. And a lot has happened to me in the past. While that I've been away from music, you know? A lot that I am going to share. And it's going to come out through music. And hopefully it's going to come out through more of me talking you know I hope you like to do <sighs> I basically realized that there's more to life than chasing after some goal that's always going to be in the distance you know I have a song called The End of the carnival that I say the exact same thing again you could be getting everything, but you'd always want something more, do you know? Um, But taking time away from it, I've just realised how lucky I am to be where I am, to have this life, you know? And (laughs) I couldn't be happier with the people I have around me at the moment. And... (laughs) <laughs> I stop, uh, I'll stop crying now, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I'm back at the music. You're still doing the music. <laughs> and I feel more balanced myself. And I think I'm capable of balance. And everyone is, you know? So I feel like I'm less likely to run myself into the ground now. <laughs> You know? And I actually have a song coming out tomorrow for Halloween that is really spooky. Ooh. <laughs> it's called Devil in Disguise and I'd love if you listen to it. It's out tomorrow, 10 o'clock in the morning. Love you.
0: I love them, first of all, like yeah. h- how amazingly well-spoken and honest and yeah, just it's really encouraging to hear people speaking like that online, um, but also I can really, really relate to it, so much of it, to be honest, um, yeah. and I first listened to it, you know, and I thought of you. And I went, oh, this is all you know. know all about this, and you know he's just released a song. He'll be having pure tunnel vision, you know. Yeah. And you may find that that rings true for you. However, what I didn't realize is in playing it to you that Jesus, I was going through the same thing, except with this podcast sort of thing, Do you know. Mm. Um, and if we both were in a sense like tunnel vision, adrenaline. Yeah. Like. How did that Abe video make make you feel? Like,
1: like it's true. <laughs> like it's the tunnel vision. At least in my case, has been a thing for the whole year, and I relied on momentum from one thing to the other for the whole year. <laughs> Everything led to something else, and then yeah. it eventually led to last week when I just it just stopped.
0: So you had and your like, film to to at the start of the year, sort of thing coming out.
1: Yeah, I, the year started with locking the film, so it was finished, and then, yeah, so that went into its festival thing, and then this podcast kind of came about around March, but I was trying to figure out what I was doing, basically, like, around the start of the year. Yeah. It all evolved to, I guess, the doing of it, from, like, April on, and from then, it's just been go, go, go,
0: um, and I. With, with podcast, film, and music.
1: Yeah, and there's just been so much random stuff as well, like working a stage crew work in the summer. Yeah, <laughs> like, That's something yeah. I just forgot about, but that was so like so many individual things that were really I college. loved. Yeah, I dropped yeah. out of college, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but I have a degree, so it doesn't count. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it's been a really, um, it's been a lot of pivoting, adapting, and I'd like trying to check in on myself of how best to to go about things, but I, I this- really
0: came to a head basically like you saying that that's where you're at this is what you've been working towards i suppose this year
1: and then it just happened within i did not it wasn't planned to happen in the same week the festival came out of nowhere and i wasn't expecting it at all i i made like i i went with you to a festival in may and that was me going okay that was nice that's it now and then out of nowhere it was like i'd screening in brighton the week the song comes out and um yeah that week was just like insane adrenaline every day I tried to get out of my system, but, like, the screening happened, and then it was like, okay, now my first gig's on the Thursday, and then the song will be out, and then it'll be, like, I was just like, I didn't actually have a moment to switch off. Yeah. I don't remember the gig. <laughs> like, like really? I have videos, but I really? don't, like, it just kind of happened, and then I was like, yeah. okay, now I guess, on to the next. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's mad, I don't know, but the tunnel vision was a factor. Over the, over the year because I would have I think being in Brighton like I hadn't been in Brighton since February and that means like I hadn't seen my friends there since February yeah. that's a long time yeah but that's because I've been working <laughs> you know what I mean
0: yeah
1: Um, I, I didn't have the time to like take off or yeah the kind of means to, to put towards it so
0: well it's like it's so interesting because I, I find this as well with music and like maybe it's the same with film or whatever but like you're you're not going over to Brighton for the crack to see friends because you've got a bit of money to burn and you're taking holiday time. You're yeah. going there probably to work or to, to yeah. string some sort of job around it. But also you've got mates there. So you're going to bolt yeah. in seeing mates while you're there. So it's that's like... that, yeah. Yeah. That's like really sad, I find. I've been living that for years because mm. like the, the only time i see mates is when I can somehow wangle it into my work. Do you know? Yeah. Um, It's great. You get to travel or whatever, but it's just sad we're not afforded time to separate the two. Um yeah. you know, and maybe it's not even that we're afforded time. I feel like brains can't. Like if you're like like when your single's coming out, I notice it with this podcast. Every week there's a deadline to reach and it's coming out, mm-hmm. you're releasing something into the world. It's like when you release a song to your emotions, it's so close to home. So it's like just that release, It 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 really takes up so much brain power. Yeah. To be able to creatively release something into the world, so the lead up to it, the release of it, all of that, and you, what you are left with is it was with a lot of adrenaline and a lot of hopes and expectations, and yeah. then no help really to manage those expectations, or not no. much other than just your own investigation or therapy if you're in it or whatever, you know, which is to actually yeah. manage the expectations of these. But I would argue that these are extremely specialised things to be going through. Do you know, like... Yeah. Really they complicated music?
1: to understand. They're not yeah. to
0: explain. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have a hope of trying to explain it to someone, the ins and outs of how adrenaline yeah. works on the body. And I, I wish to get an get a terp, an expert, someone who knows about this stuff in the future, even artists who have... who work through it, and, and you know, I heard the Rolling Stones have therapists with them, for example, you mm. know, when they're touring. Like, that could be bullshit, but also, if it if it holds up, I understand why, because it's a very yeah. complex dynamic being in a band, and then also, yeah, yeah um, you're, you're on stage, you're up late, all the things we spoke about, there's so much pressure to this job, and um, on stage and in the release cycle, mm. and I think what really stuck out with Abe's video is is like I've been on that hamster wheel, you know, yeah. um chasing gigs, like going from one thing to the other, not eating, not looking after myself, like it's really it's really hard, and like you've no one to talk to about it, and you've no one looking out for you, going careful of this by the way, and so I think like yeah. if you're a new artist listening. It might have been hard to hear, and I'm sorry if you know if it was hard to hear and it burst your bubble. Uh, no, you know, last week. <laughs> <I'm right now. laughs> no, I I know, um, but it's definitely something to watch out for. And yeah. like, yeah, we 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 will talk about it further. Um, but like, even the thought of you now, you've released your song, and we'll talk a bit about now what, what your expectations are, and also what you yeah. how you pl- how you plan to promote your song, and all the rest of it. But like. How do you approach writing a song when you're on this adrenaline buzz? It's tough. It's tough. Uh, because, like, I notice when I'm, let's say, high on adrenaline, like, I don't make a lot of sense. You know, I yeah. often sp- speak out of turn. I, you know, like, I'm very excitable. I'll probably say yes to things I wouldn't normally say yes to. Like, it's, that's a hard Wait, that's a hard headspace to write a song in, and I've tried it. And yeah. I would argue that, like some of the songwriting session stuff, the nine to five songwriting, yeah. that requires a bit of that headspace, the adrenaline sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. You are in the middle of it now. You've 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 released a song. Hmm. You are going to be putting it out. Like, sorry, you are going to be promoting it. You know, or not? What's 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 going on? What's the plan?
1: Like, it was put out. Music video was put out. And then I just took a step back. It's almost been a week. I haven't done yeah. anything. <laughs> like I've learned a lot in the sense that like oh, maybe you should bank up f- what you should bank up things beforehand to like post. But then we're talking about it earlier, it's just like and I was thinking a lot since the Greg interview about social media. Uh I, th- I re- it just isn't in me in any regard to just post shite. So I don't want to just sit down for the sake of you know, number of posts going up and then make a, a bit of crap and then put it up. I just wanted to take a step back Let it out, it will, it will do whatever and it's not going to make a difference and it's not going to make a dent if I, if I just start like, as um Greg would say, whoring myself out um, for a week. Like, I've had a nice week, really boring week, but I loved it. Um, and just kind of more level, writing songs, all these things. But I don't I feel like if I was in the without that mindset I'd be doing this stuff and then I'd be like, okay, how can I record
0: the song I just wrote? How can I Yeah. What can I do? If you put put a video up when your song came out and it didn't perform. Like that would be another little thing that's like, damn it, but, I yeah. just put in two I just put in my two hours of my time into this video and it didn't it didn't perform, you know.
1: Yeah. But I'm happy with it. Like I'm happy with how what I've put up has done and that's as simple as the song is out the music video is out and then just like thanks for checking it out I'm going to take a break now <laughs> Yeah, it's like I've wrecked and I need to, to I want to like actually like process what has happened yeah. and it's slowly happening but also now maybe almost a week on I'm able to kind of make some sort of plans I'll be going to the UK next week um, for a short trip and just working with my friends and I know it <laughs> kind of goes back to your point, but like, you know, at the moment if I can that's, make that's that,
0: but that's the only way to do it. You know, if this, if you yeah. were hired, like you'd get It's again, it's just the difference of the job. It's like so a lot of people have job security. They can, they can take holidays and like go and see their there. mates. And, <laughs> no, I know. And it's sad that like musicians don't have that. So I just wanted to illustrate to, you know, people maybe don't work in music. Like when you're doing these things, it's hard not to see all your friends. It's not all fun and games, and and you know, yeah, exactly. You can you can have some fun sometimes when you're away working and you see your mates. But anyway, go on. I just, I was thinking what I um,
1: I keep saying like I'm taking a break till the end of the year, <laughs> so that gives me like what a month, so yeah. like I don't have to. The first song is out. I'm really happy with all of that. I, I'm in a position now that I won't be in for the next one, which is I can pause because the next one I'll have, you know, a lot more when I go record next time, I'll have an EP's worth of songs, four or five songs. Cool. And it, it will be like a kind of motion that will realistically take me to the end of next year. Like, you know what I mean? When that starts, yeah. I'm aware that it's going to be another go of it. I'm moving slow. I'm I'm going. I'm just trying to make something that's like actually meaningful. The song's very personal and, was a nice one to put out first
0: i think that's a very smart move uh it like just making sure again you're fully behind what you're putting out especially in this early stage and big big bonus you none, know, you own all this stuff you've been paying yeah. for it you've been funding it like it's it's an asset you're you're investing in here um and it's it's definitely it's definitely worth it and fair play for doing the slow That's development. You're developing yourself, but in a very smart way. You're not just throwing wasted hours into TikTok. You're actually developing your product, which is the songs and the recordings. And onto the songs, do you have them all written? Like you said, the EP next year sort of thing. Like, have you got songs? You've all written?
1: Yeah, I've, whole songs, man, I've, yeah. Really? I've tried to forget which ones to use or what comes when. But I have, yeah, I have the next one. I know what the next one will be and I know, what like the lead song of the EP is, you know that one too. But it's yeah. like I'm enjoying um, the fact that I get to make my own music videos and control how the uh, got uh, if I did the source, I figured out a different word than brand. But how yeah. Finch Gaeta would grow ideally in like a year's time creatively, and that's what I'm really enjoying at the moment is just like it's almost like writing a film. It's like I'm writing how overall in a year, if this all came out and was put out in a certain way, if you looked at it all then, what would it be? Cool. So how would the next music video set up the one after it? And how could, yeah, I'm, I'm on great crack, like
0: oh, doing that write, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, is the, that, so that strikes me as you've, you've kind of had the song, like you've had the songs maybe for a while. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> What if another song, if we sit to the piano tomorrow and write another song, would you consider putting it on or have you kind of decided that already?
1: This, so like I have songs, for example, written around the same period that taught yeah. me how to write songs because they're all different, but they all were painstaking <laughs> to like yeah. finish because I didn't know how to. And obviously now I could go in and go with the knowledge of a few years under my belt and do it. How, cause...
0: what was that knowledge? Like in highlights? Ah, oh, Jesus. Um, music college, yeah, n-
1: not even just literally things like imagery. How is how is the song driving forward? Um, does it need a bridge? Is there a tension? How are you going to resolve it? Do the chords resolve? And these things that like as like a song, basically separate to like the writing. Um, so I took when I left Brighton, um, the year I lived there, I spent a few months literally just finishing those songs, um. It was during the pandemic, so like there was not much going on. It was like a thing I could do, but um, that's when I really just learned how to do it. And but at the moment now, I'm like I can write songs much quicker, and I re- I'm enjoying writing stories. Like, yeah. And I played them the other week for the first time live, and they went down well. And I, they're the ones I'm enjoying the most. It doesn't feel like I have to sit down and like write a diary. It just feels,
0: yeah. Um, but you want to get the diary stuff out anyway because it's your yeah. Your yeah. foundation, as you said early, early in an earlier episode.
1: Yeah, th- th- those songs now that would come out um, sooner than later would be the ones I've probably held on to the longest, um and be the most, the most of like a, a stickler about. Just yeah, because th- and they're so not calcut, but they're so precise. Because I was learning while doing it, so every word in there is like so thought about. Because yeah. I was figuring out how to actually write.
0: I see, that's so interesting. And so now you feel you've done it more, you've released music now, so you're just a little bit more free, maybe? Like, you're you're not yeah. as connected to the... You are connected to the words you say, but like you're saying, you're just telling stories. It's You're not really seeing it as... You know, I, like, uh, under the microscope as much, it sounds like to me. No,
1: because um, I also think, and I think if someone's looking to write songs and they're, like, starting out, I think um, looking after yourself emotionally going to therapy like these things really help if you can like understand and be in tune with yourself and understand your emotions and deal with them healthily it's really nice to not sit down on a piece of paper i used when i was younger now like and i would have been going through a rough time and i would have sat down and like just that was when i would have just felt like depressed or whatever or like lonely whatever it was and then tried to write from there and that was a really toxic place mm. to write from and it didn't work <laughs> like, yeah. like but i, I enjoy like, the piano is just to the right of me. Like, I love sitting down there and just uh, going into it.
0: Um, yeah. It's not all, like, obviously, people do say that, and I find it like, writing songs is therapeutic, but that doesn't mean you have to write it in the darkest time of your life, you know? <laughs> because this is sometimes yeah, yeah. The, last, the last thing you want to do is play piano when you're bawling your eyes out, because you are in grief suffering grief or whatever it's like yeah yeah you, you're very right you need to be com- i think you need to be comfortable to write your write your best stuff you know it's like what we said if you empower an artist if you empower a musician they yeah. will they will perform at their best i think you know um yeah and yeah that's very very interesting what else was i going to ask you co-writes how Ooh. do you feel about co-writes like um you haven't done any co-writing yeah no, no. I've I say I
1: have an album's worth of songs, and solo. I don't think they would be an album. Like I wouldn't put them together and release yeah. them. But like, um, yeah, I. For me, at the moment, and I I'd be interested in like if the podcast is here in five years time, how. <laughs> retrospectively, of my future self will feel about this.
0: Well, just that's why you have to be as honest as possible with us now. If you don't give yeah. us the beat. <laughs> I,
1: I if I was to co-write with someone, I'd have to like trust them enough and i don't for example like i have like a small list of people i would like to write with like um and i but i think what i'm um, a time place where like i hear my friend's song and i'll be like i love that i'd love to write a song with like i will have something like my friend cal just knows how to drive a song forward and like mm. oh, oh just uh, this gorgeous like elements to it that i just don't have um yeah and I am I listen to their stuff and I'm like, oh, I'd love to wear a song with you now. And I can't, I'd, like, literally, like, their names now with this small little list
0: of... um, Who, the, well, That's great. Yeah. yeah. And that's driven by you, which is, again, like, you're the artist's, uh, like, drive... So, so it's like, it it's, you're still part of the creative process. Massively, you're adding someone, you're going, that's something I can't do. I'm going to, you know, collaborate with that person. Like throughout my career I've collaborated with my brother right we're both completely different we're both don't smile every time I mention him right Sorry. come on uh, <laughs> we're both he's like oh here oh we God. go that's, that's me holding my tongue <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway like we're both different musicians we're from different schools of thought different schools of playing and like Yeah, there was really good times, like we'd we'd hit it and it'd be really great. Like he could do stuff that I couldn't do cordially, like go to, you know, musically knew way more than me about music and I'm much more about field. and, you know, not knowing about music is my strength, you know, I feel as a songwriter. So like you're saying, you just find someone who does something different to you and, you know, do it because you want to do it. Like, again, there would be other reasons to involve a co-writer and that would be because of who they've worked with in the past yeah so like that would be much more in the pro circuit so like you know my say i sound a bit like if i sounded like Dermot kennedy and i was like oh i kind of really like his songs and i'm really inspired by him like i'll go and find who's written his music with him and work with him yeah and like even sometimes that can give you clout like if you work with a big songwriter That's a foot in the door into some labels or even on some radio stations or playlists. So, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's nice to know your intentions to work with people are from trust because it touches on why you're writing songs in the first place, which is to like obviously express yourself and your emotions. I think so. It's like, is that what you're trusting people with, or what is it you're trusting people with? I, I think to, for example, collaborating with you on this
1: for a long period of time, it's just been a really nice collaboration. You know what I mean? I've learned about Good to hear. collaborating with someone. I would have be, worked on sets and stuff and on it from that way but like this yeah. felt like we were writing a podcast at one stage. It, yeah. it was interesting to just like do that. I think that kind of set in me going okay, you want to be able to tr- like firstly you know the person and trust the person but I do feel like there's a benchmark of work that I'd like to put out before I then go to this next part which is like the London co scene or like and I say it to you but like if when Echo On the Water comes out, that's when I'm like, okay, that is like that is what I would like to have people understand and be able to listen to. Out there, now I can go and build from that. And yeah. until I haven't I have those songs out, I don't want people trying to guide me towards what they think Finch should be. I know what it will be, just give me like a year
0: you know mm, that's uh, very yeah but that's that's I mean that's a brilliant again you're you're so fucking on it man you really are like it's such a it's such a good way of looking at it like I tell you just how that differs from my venturing into songwriting like everything was done at home first all those yeah. early that's entire like Ready's Launch would have been one of the first songs like I wrote yeah. on a piano uh, Place I Called Home was the first songs I literally ever wrote and it was yeah. very sort of personal up on me Chasing Rubies Up in my bedroom, just like very did not share the process at all, not even really with Harry, Um, uh, except for when we uploaded, you know, and then he'd add his guitar parts and harmonies or whatever. Um, But songwriting wise, like lyrics were extremely personal, you know, Um, and it remained that way up until we then got, you know, got a manager and moved to London, and uh, the way. The way in which artists that were going the major labor route at the time, that was like Jake Bug was coming about, like Paolo Natini was just huge. And I was really inspired by him, as was like, he was very popular and successful. So we worked with a lot of writers that worked with him. Do you know, yeah, it yeah. wasn't how do we develop? Well, it, maybe it was. It was a little bit of who are these guys and what are they about? But it's like, how do we make them sound like this other thing that's, that's working? rather than how do we develop this thing that we are in we are interested in developing. Do you know? I mean, maybe yeah. that's just me looking at it the wrong way now, but uh that they just that's how like it was we were put in the room with these songwriters based on who they had worked with and who they'd had success with rather than That's interesting. Who well, yeah, who who might be best for the project. Sessions I remember was being put in with like an Irish person, for example. And mm. that was like one of the first first sessions and we clicked with that was ian archer and we clicked with him yeah. and we we had a long collaborative working relationship with him that was a really good mix he'd worked with jake bug he's class he, he's he's unbelievable he's a really good solo artist as well so that was like a really good pairing yeah. however like there can be bad pairings and you can be stuck in a room with a day the way these things work you'll know this but maybe some listeners won't Is like you arrive at a you know, professional songwriters house, they're doing this for a job, you know, and it could be their house, could be their studio. You arrive at their studio or an agreed location. You get there at about 10 a.m. earliest and you'd finish at about five, six. And you would aim to write a song in a whole day in that that time. Um, And I would be going as an artist. Usually I'd be bringing like lyrics and melody. That would kind of be what is expected of me. Yeah. And then the person we'd be working with Usually Is like you know the experienced Songwriter and they'd be providing the production And the track and then Yeah just the overall opinion Like if I was the songwriter Like you kind of have you're the one Who's steering the sessions. Sometimes you know what I mean it's on Your terms so um, Anyway yeah it's like A like a 10 to 5 job Sort of thing um, I lost where yeah. I was fucking going with that but. I do, I do like,
1: um, my, my songwriting process changed so much because of talking to you so much about that. I almost took what I imagined a songwriting session would be and just like started playing it to how I write myself.
0: Okay. <laughs> but, and how, but, how was that? How did you, was it basically I, as I just described?
1: Yeah. Like I, I, I started treating it like work not a bad way, but just in the sense that like, it's a responsible thing to do when you can't just like, when I was younger, like I wrote the first verse of therapy by having a shot of whiskey like you know what i mean like like that's when you're younger and you're trying all the different ways but like i i really pride myself and be able to sit down at a piano during the daytime completely sober and just write the song like like not not let the either writer's block or whatever kind of other factors come into play because i know that in the long term that would set myself up for something worse like so to be able to um yeah to to be able to sit down and just write the song and to push through the what I what I used Jesus, I the worst writers back now. Yeah, and you younger, just
0: like. your head would, would overthink things and you're going, Oh, well I'll never yeah. finish this song and all the rest whereas actually if you just go, No, I'm gonna finish this song by five PM and that's the end of the story and I'll put all my brain power into it and finish it, you can actually do it. And that's that's why like there you know, a lot of successful songwriters, like it it's a lot of it's luck, do you know? Yeah. And just like um being in the right place at the right time and yeah, it's it's like you put that pressure on yourself to turn up on the day to work with an artist. You don't, like, a lot of people don't pre- even prepare for it. You just kind of yeah. come in and, and the magic is supposed to turn up in the room sort of thing. Um.
1: Would you push artists now towards corporate? So, what would your be your stance have you um, been
0: through? Well, you know, my stance with you is kind of being sort of what you've been saying is like, look, dude, get your songs out first. Like, don't I, I? wouldn't want to as a writer come into your project right now and tell you what's what. Do you know? Because I know you've got loads to say, and so I think yeah, question any writer who has that to make sure they want to develop you and and develop your voice. Um, like if I did write with you right now, I would try and let you drive it. So as at least in a year or two time if it comes out. Like, that's the thing. It's so different. You're an independent, right? Whereas, like, I'd be in sessions sometimes where I'm like, okay, this is a good song, but it does not resonate with me as a person. Hmm. And I don't want it released with Hudson Taylor. But, fuck, it's a good song. The label are going to love it, and they're going to force me to put it out. Yeah. Whereas, like, you don't have that. So me and you could write a song, and... It could be a fucking weird samba hit hmm. and we could just end the day and that's it. There's gonna be no if you know one's gonna turn into a samba hit sensation band. You know, it's like Don't help me. <laughs> there's none of that pressure. <laughs> so it's like it would be very different. We could just literally have fun writing songs. So like there's yeah. different motivations sometimes, and a lot of the motivations around writing my music in the first couple of al- first two albums was like hits, right? Yeah fucking hits every session that's the pressure because there's been so much money put into the band that um, you know we need a hit to pay it back you then put a song out and it doesn't perform it's not the hit single Hmm. so then you would try another single and then like literally the last stitch attempt would be let's try and write another single literally the album's almost gone, gone gone to print and the label are like we don't have the song Go back and write it.
1: What would have been the songs that came out of that kind of
0: thing? The, the, they ended up being the biggest singles from our next album campaign. <sighs> so our first album, yeah, we, we wrote the album. It was almost gone to print. And then we started writing songs again. When we started writing songs again, the ones that came out weren't deemed good enough to, you know, upset the album cycle sort of thing. So the album came out as sort of as it was, a little bit delayed. And then on the second album... Um, the the demos of the songs that we wrote to save the first album became the singles of the second that, album. Yeah. It was interesting. And then, then we went to write more songs for the second album on top of that. So it, it was just like so different to the yeah. intentions you have or the intentions I have now in writing music. It was like all writing songs to try and calculate their success, basically, you know all songs try- trying to write singles, trying to make it be successful, and that like the ironic thing is old soul is our most pop, most streamed song, yeah. and that's like the most anti single you could possibly have. It's like a really simple basic folk song, campfire folk song sort of thing, and it ended up like I said, getting onto a playlist and 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 receiving loads of views. It's just, it's interesting anyway. And I've learned a lot about, like, intentions. Like, so the last album I did with my band, I wanted, I didn't really want to do co-writes. Like, I I wasn't against them, but I didn't want it to be, like, the first and second album where we're working with, like, people I don't know, like, going into strangers' rooms. And and I wanted it to be, like, a lot more personal, a lot more homegrown. Like, similar to you, have a list of people I want to work with. And if they could work with me, happy days. If not, then it's literally in our best interests to write the songs ourselves. Like, that's the thing. We haven't really even touched on this yet, but songwriting royalties and songwriting, like, that's what makes the music, like, there's no music industry without music. You know, songs are where the money is in music, and that's, like, yeah, that's just key. So, kind of, on the last album, not only financially, for me, was it beneficial to do, to have me and Harry write most of the songs? It just was also... I knew it was going to be our last album. You know, I made the decision already sort of thing. So I wanted it to be the album that is truest to us as it possibly could be, which would be not involving loads of different songwriters. Cause it's just too many cooks spoil the broth. Isn't that what they say? So yeah. I'm not saying you can't achieve it with those, a good album with loads of writers, but it's like, it can be uh, what you're doing, writing the people down, like going to the people you want to go to. That's yeah. that's important because You're on my list. Ah <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You've one ticked off anyway. All right with yeah. you. Yeah. Um so yeah, I just think it's it's so interesting. But songwriting is a it's a dark art and there's so much money in it. Like artists in the past have given fucking drug dealers their songwriting royalties because they can't <laughs> pay. Like it's it's often the only income that actually goes it's the only decent income, the l- long-lasting income in music. It's the oil of music, basically. It
1: is. And now Vulture funds are coming in to scoop it up.
0: <laughs> they are. No, they are. And it's... um, Yeah, it's scary. It's scary because that's now, like, people outside of music realising the value of this. And, like... um, I'll get you an article up here. I was reading it early on. It's from the Forbes website about... This was about Bob Dylan's catalogue. More yeah. so his recordings, which he's quite happily sold to Columbia, which I think is the original record label who owned them anyway. And Bob says in a statement referring to Sony's subsidiary, the record label he signed to when he first started his music career, I'm glad that all my recordings can stay where they belong. So Bob's obviously happy that he's sold the rights to his masters. But then here's the little tangent. It says in December 2020, and I remember this, Bob Dylan sold his songwriting catalogue to Universal Music Group a deal that was rumoured to go between... Guess how much? 300 million? 250 and 300 million. Yeah. Yeah, good on you, Uh So that was according to the New York Times and Bloomberg, making it one of the largest sales of its kind. Recording catalogs are often referred to as artist masters and are the funnel through which artists are usually able to collect royalties from their music. Songwriting catalogs deal with the factual crafting of the songs, like notes and lyrics. And come into play when another artist wants to cover their work, for example. So this is going to touch on publishing, which is like, mm. we are going to speak about that next week. And that's yeah. been a massive yeah. part of my career, like signing publishing deals and not really knowing what's going on, because um, yeah. it's all very confusing. Like, so they're saying the masters, that's yeah. what you would sign to a record label, which is the recordings of the songs. And then publishing is is the actual songwriting like they said when someone covers it so bob dylan if i cover bob dylan song and put it up online now bob dylan gets it gets the songwriting or no he doesn't universal music publishing group gets the songwriting but that's where that value is so there's two that's two separate income streams i know you know all this you um but i was just just
1: thinking about it though with the life of copyright would publishing fall under
0: copyright or is that the master uh No, that is. That's copyright. So they're basically buying the copyright. And I thought about this earlier. If this in Bob, this is Bob Dylan in 2020 selling them, Bob's getting on. You know, what happens when he goes? Does that mean? 70 you, years after his death, it becomes. Uh, it becomes free, yeah, free, free. Yeah. But for 70 years after they have say over the music, I think, you know, I think that's kind of what's going on here, maybe.
1: They could place it in, like, any commercials, films, other stuff. There's, like, yeah. very lucrative things for them to...
0: Yeah, so it's very lucrative. Like, publishing in particular, and you said about Vulture Funds coming in and buying up people's yeah. publishing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's strange. And we've spoken about it before. Like, songs, they're the most important part of an artist's career. They're the thing that, like, it identifies you with that artist, but it yeah. also outlives the artist. Like, not just the recording, but the song. Like, I, I could be... Humming your song after you go, if you know, you could be people could be humming my my humming my song after I go. You know, it's like there's it's this thing that lives on, and um, obviously other people realize that. And where they used to invest in oil and other commodities like that, well, the oil's going to disappear one day, and so is gold and whatever else. Music keeps giving, you know, Mm. and I think that's what's interesting. It's like Bob's catalog is worth three hundred million now. He's obviously going to make it back. People aren't buying it for the crack. Like it, it, I heard it makes 17 million dollars uh, a year. So you do the maths, it's like whatever. It's, it is going to make it back in the next yeah. 20, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. But also what's important about this is if you have Universal Music Publishing Group buying up big catalogs like this and profiting from them and we're talking about their expenditure, you know, in, in terms of like how they spend their money on projects and stuff and how that can be quite irresponsible that's this, these sort of massive deals are what allows these companies to spend so much money and to, you know, uh, in, in such an irresponsible way. So it's like, it all matters. Um, yeah. and it all illustrates how much money can be made. I mean, particularly in songwriting, there's another one, Bruce Springsteen, he sold his, um, catalog. Yeah. Let me, let me find that as well. He's um, and he's doing
1: like, there's these artists as well. Like, um, they're a bit older, like, but they're doing these uh, tours where they're charging like so much for tickets. Like Bruce Springsteen now, like, was playing Cork in in the new year. Like Jesus Christ, like, I couldn't go to that. No, <laughs> like, it's like, I'd like love you're to. I couldn't afford hundred
0: like, two two 200, 200 quid for a, a shit ticket. Do you know?
1: And it sells out like that as well. It sells out just like.
0: Yeah, so here is oh my god. <laughs> Can I guess the, the number? The... Yeah, you can. I'm going to go to the Rolling Stone. Uh, this is the Rolling Stone magazine. Is it 250? Is... Hang on a sec. I just want to see. Is this talking about his masters or his publishing? Oh, no. So it's his publishing. Okay, great. Bruce Springsteen sells publishing catalogue to, to Sony for? 250? 250, 250 what? A million. Nope. Oh, God. Huh? Keep, keep going. It's a bit higher than that. A billion? 500 million. What Bruce Springsteen has sold his publishing catalog to Sony for a reported 500 million, should I say, as Bill he reports. selling for
1: more than Bob Dylan?
0: I know. I know. I don't that's... get that. Uh, but that's just a matter of opinion, yeah. I think. It's said a lot of Americans. The musician has sold his masters to Sony Music and his publishing to Sony Music Publishing in a combined deal. So he's now put them both up in a combined deal to Sony Music. So he sold his masters, his recordings, to Sony Music. Funny enough, one of the first record labels me and uh, my brother met was Sony Ireland, and they gave me a Bruce Springsteen collection of CDs (laughs) to go, here you go, sign to us. We also look after Bruce Springsteen, and here's a free CD. That's what they used to do to kind of impress you, you know? Um, Anyway, it just came back to my head there, seeing (laughs) Bruce and Sony on the same thing. The musician has sold his masters to Sony Music and his publishing to Sony Music Publishing in a combined deal, according to Billboard sources. A rep for Sony declined to comment on the deal. Springsteen has remained with Sony's Columbia Records since he launched his career and was given ownership of his earlier albums. According to the RIAA, his album catalogue has sold 65 million in the US, which includes his 15 times platinum, Born in the USA, and 5 times platinum, The River. So there you go. Springsteen is the latest in a long line of veteran artists that have parted ways with their publishing rights in the past couple of years. This includes Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Mick Fleetwood, Shakira, Jimmy Iovine and David Crosby. Time is passing, Neil Young explains to fans after news of his deal broke. I want to cover my family and my art. A good father plans on how to take care of his children. There you go, so... Uh, Maybe money's drying up for the some of the some of the the people at the top of the music chain, you know the old veterans, and I'm sure uh, it's
1: complicated when they die as well or when like they when they're gone like, like who looks after
0: their rights yeah. oh, it
1: took like a rat race to yeah <laughs> the, the complications there, like I'm sure they're just safeguarding their families and their business. I
0: would say so because you look at things like what's happened again, another like massive news story in the last couple of years yeah. uh, over songwriting royalties. It's like this, the one that sticks out to me is this Ed Sheeran and Marvin Gaye thinking out loud case. Like, Marvin Gaye's not around to, to defend, you know, to, to, to yeah. defend himself or talk about it so his family are taking on the, the dispute, you know, or have yeah. taken on the dispute and, you know, as, as we saw Lost. So, yeah. that's interesting. That's interesting because, um, yeah, we, we'll never know what Marvin actually thinks about it all, you know? Um,
1: What do you think as a, as an artist, like, I, this you're so much ahead of me, this this could actually happen to you, basically, I I doubt it would happen to me, but like, now anyway, but what would you think if you came across a song, and you're like, that's Chasing Rubies, that's, that's just like that, like, and very apparent, I like, there was actually like, a co-writer on that song, that like, you had worked with, or something like that, what's that like, um,
0: As in, if I came across it as in I wrote it, or if If I was... If you came
1: across a song that, like, mirrors something you've written and there's weight to it.
0: I, well, I wouldn't act in the first instance, first of all. I would sit sit on it, think about it. I'd ask my friends who I trust and say, listen, does this sound like my song? And, you know, after I collected enough of that, I would probably go to people I'm not as friendly with for an unbiased opinion. Uh Um, And then, personally, I would be screwed in that situation because I can't pay for what you would need as a lawyer and a musicologist to prove that that has been a thing. So I'd be kind of screwed. And I'd be, you know, maybe, depending on... Other people to hear it and talk about it enough for it to yeah. become an to for it to become an issue, for that issue to then be made to the attention of the publisher and then the publisher or whoever will decide. Oh, yeah, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. How, and then the other yeah. thing, I don't know. So that's one route, and it's very legal and scary. The other thing I love to think exists is just artists and artists chatting to each other and songwriters. Like I've done it. I've I've fucking accidentally rip people off and i've either changed it in the day or the song just never comes out and it doesn't happen or if it if i really wanted it out and i believed it was going to change my life well i'd get someone to call someone and say listen how much of the credit do you want because we have accidentally written a banger here but that banger happens to sound very like your song in this moment and what would it need for you to to be sound out of court that is the best way to fucking do it. That is fucking cool. That is stylish. That is just, yeah, do it out of court, I think. However, that's just, that's how I would think of it as an artist in my position. You know, I know artists who this has affected and there's been mm-hmm. some massive songs that have come out and I've watched an artist not be able to do anything because yeah, not only, yeah, so even if you do have the means to sue, another artist can come out and counter sue yeah. So I know someone who experienced it with like a global artist and they came out and said, by the way, this sounds very similar. We might get a report on this. And they said, well, if you do that, I'll countersue you for damaging my reputation. Hmm. So you could be going after someone for one thing and then they'll come after you for making them look bad uh, or they'll at least threaten it. And nobody wants these lengthy court battles. Yeah. So it's a weird it's a weird zone. And it touches on publishing and that's why like when we talk about this next week we'll we'll focus on more stories and yeah. I might even bring in a friend of mine who knows loads about this stuff. It's so 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 interesting. Like Greg said, and like Ed Sheeran even said, there's so many songs released every day that some of them are bound to have some similarities. Like there's only, you know, there's only so much music when out there.
1: Pressure. Like imagine you were Ed Sheeran and you have to follow up that many Hits and obviously he has like to a T now, and he has his team, he has his process, all this like. and But you know, if you're going for like pop songs and you're going for like conventions that there are with those with that with those types of songwriting,s like surely you'll stumble across either something that sounds similar because you've written something with a structure that has been used a thousand times, and then you try to make it original and you put a spin on like. I don't know one chord, and then you it gets much more specific and mirrors the song much more specifically. It just but if sure if you have that money, like I don't know if it's a reputation thing, if if because I I I feel like with that like if he no, I'm not making a comment of what I believe he did or didn't do. Like I'm, I'm not adjusting that, but like I believe like if he went and went, oh yeah, sorry about that, didn't realize, but I do think it's similar. He's opening up a. Like mm. a fucking damn, and he can't, and like, and he just and he has a family, he's this and that, like, he can't do that. But
0: like, I would say, isn't that damn not already open with, like, Galway Girl, for example?
1: Uh, that confuses me.
0: But, like, <laughs> that song, <laughs> that's, that's already, how can kinda, you write that song? but aside from my opinion of the song, like, that you love mo- moment or yeah, but that moment already existed, and that song yeah. is is co written, so people have gotten together and decided to. Recreate an already existing thing, go away, girl. Mad you, to me do you know? That. So that's kind of going. It's like there's two schools of thought playing at the same time here. Like I'm allowed to take inspiration, and I'm not allowed to take inspiration. Yeah. Do you know? And then what? Us. The other thing is like there are. I'm not, as I said to you, my my, my specialty is not music theory. I can write songs. I don't need like loads of good music theory to do that. No. Um. Or other people do, but like to actually fully. Uh, give an opinion on this. You you need to be a professional musicologist, yeah. And that's who should be deciding on plagiarism cases because they have a strict set of laws to go by. Yeah. And it's not simple. Like it's not simple. I've been working in twelve in music for twelve years. I wouldn't understand it. I have a you know I have some mus- some musical theory, and I still mm-hmm. don't understand a musicologist's report that's something that's so specialized. However, like the case like Ed Sheeran, that's a jury case. That's like anybody who doesn't even know, you know, they'll know Ed Sheeran, they might know Marvin Gaye, but like, so that's that's what I mean. Like, I am I can point out similarities between songs, but yeah, I'm not actually qualified to, to do it. There are professionals who, who do this as a job and I, yeah. that's why the oversimplification of it and like, yeah, there's only 12 notes or whatever. I don't know how helpful that is.
1: I do think that there should be a union for songwriting, like I there th- there are so many things that come up whether we talk amongst ourselves or we just talk with other songwriters, and there are like actual issues there. We all love the songs, we all like we do it for our reasons and all this, um, yeah. And the song is the end goal, but then there are all these complications that there's just no protections. Or there's no way, like if you're a fucking smaller artist and you don't have the means to make a case that your song has been potentially plagiarized or Copied or something like that, are taken from, like our another songwriter says, I'll counter sue you for all of this. Yeah, it's like there should be, they're, there no, should be something. There, there
0: absolutely there. should be. You know, to right. And this kind of goes goes on to like what really scares me. And I did an exercise in this to see, and I I felt it it did something to my songwriting, and it ties into social media and stuff. It was these real songs that I did, which was like, yeah. I'm gonna really not value my my creative ideas very much and I'm going to spout them straight from my brain onto the internet and not even have any filtration process. Just put them up there unregistered because this is the thing if you don't know about songwriting once you finish writing a song you should make a demo after that after you've made that demo register the song on a royalty collection Uh, you know register yourself as a writer on a royalty collection website and then register each song yeah. because Like I realised in doing this what I was putting songs straight up into the internet without registering them any motherfucker regardless if I think they have good intentions or not could take that idea and turn it into a hit and I wouldn't have a leg to stand on because the song isn't officially registered it's just being spouted up the internet do you know Mm -hmm. so that would be one just piece of advice register your music and you know perhaps think twice before you release it online if you think it's really good because anybody could potentially steal it and and you will have not have a leg to stand on or any money to fucking sue them
1: that's why I don't post my songs like yeah. I don't I don't I won't post my songs unless it's out because mm. I can post the chorus of a song that's your TikTok. chorus that's your fucking yeah.
0: chorus gone forever
1: I need I, it, I it's interesting like no one heard my friends will know those songs but and you would know like some of them but like the other ones they don't because I'm just like, unless I actually am doing something with it, like I'm not gonna yeah. I don't want to chance that especially <laughs> like you never know you never no, you,
0: you never know. And like you said, like we've no union or anyone sorting this out for us. That Royalty Collection Society, if you register to them, well your song will be registered and they will pay you any anytime your composition gets played by anybody else. So if I write a song today and feel on cover it tomorrow. I get the money, if you know, generates any money off it. <laughs> that is, you know, if it gets played in a public Which place. I won't. <laughs> but that's why songwriting royalties, yeah, are just—it's just so important. And like again, why, why, why we should have some sort of union or or body in place to protect songwriters and artists? Because yeah. also, like, look, we will we'll just say it again: there's no music industry without music. Do You know, like it's the most important part of the puzzle. Songwriters are the people who make them. We're literally the machines. We're the factory of this massive, in the UK, six billion pound industry. Do you know? Yeah. And we're getting fucking shafted, shafted here. Do you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Before we go, I want to ask you, um, what's your relationship
0: with songwriting?
1: Like, how's it been now with the last uh, two weeks? Has it been since you've been let out the contract?
0: Um, my kind of, more recent approach to songwriting has been way more chilled than my first 10 years of doing songwriting in Mm. sessions and going in and trying to finish a song in a day and writing, you know, quote quote unquote hits. Um, Now I very much like to live life as I normally would. And the songs will kind of come along and find me as I go. Do you know, I Mm. uh, just around the house, I'll have a guitar out and a different tuning. I'll have a piano, have another guitar and a different tuning. And, I just allow myself to spend time on the instruments and songs will just appear. If I play them, I it's just naturally to me. So I start writing when I I don't yeah. play. I, I won't start playing covers. I'll start writing songs. Do you know, that's just what happens when I pick up an instrument. Um, and then I'll often try not to think at all. Kind of like yeah. this podcast. Look, like when I'm talking to you right now, I'm not thinking about what I'm. Well, I should be thinking about what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe yeah. most most of the time, but yeah. I'm not. You know, it's a subconscious thing. Conversation, it's a thing, and that's all lyrics Slow. are to me. It's a conversation. There you go. Um, you know, lyrics, it's a conversation with from you to your audience. Nobody yeah. speaks speaks like you, if you know. Nobody speaks like me, you know. So that's one process, and then the other process is the songwriter co-writing session nine to five? Like I can come up with ideas for days. And if I sit down and don't think, and then when I need to think that's when I'll go, okay, I've got, I've got to come out with some music. Um, I I'd start thinking about it and I'll spend maybe a day, you know, focusing on rhymes. Like if I'm in conversation, I'm not going to be focusing on making my words rhyme all yeah. the time. When I'm (laughs) sorry, yeah, I'm not focusing on it. So it's like there's two
1: brains.
0: (laughs) There you go. So there's two brains at play. There's like one that's like very free, and then there's one that is very uh, methodical. So I that's how I approach the third album, which I think is are some of my favorite songs I've written. Um, and I always like to think the next song is going to be better than the other one, and it puts pressure off. Yeah. each each song then you know like the best song i want to write when i'm fucking 50 do you know um yeah. so as long as i keep that mindset they they keep coming pressure is good if a label turned around and said afi i want an album i'd say well fuck right off no i'm joking <laughs> 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 uh, it, having pressure even putting pressure on myself like yeah. i um yeah i'd like to release music now again it's all just so new to me um yeah and one thing that has lifted since being out of this publishing deal and be free to do so is that block of, well, I can write songs. It's like I'd given up, do you know, I'd, I'd allowed myself to play music and to, to improvise, but I'd not allowed myself to actually write a song because yeah. of all the reasons I explained I was financially, it was not in my best interest to do it. So I didn't, you know, yeah. um, So now that that weight's lifted, that doesn't even exist. Well, it still exists in my brain, to be honest. It's still there because it's going to take a while to to wear off. But um, no, the fact that I can actually finish a song today and register it and it's mine is is still not it won't hit home until I release something, I think. And then like you, it'll all, you know, I'll be able to step back and take it in.
1: The first one's the pressure lifter. I felt a big pressure lift creatively, knowing that there's now, then there is now the first one, and then that's that kind of is done. Now, there's that kind of like pressure on everything I'm writing, going, Will this be the one? Will this be the one? It's yeah. just kind of I can write now without thinking as much about it, yeah. Um, and I going back to what got me writing like years ago and listening to, to those albums, and
0: yeah, it just, it's yeah, I'm enjoying it, I'm yeah. enjoying it at the moment. Good man, that's that's what it. That's what it should be. It should be an enjoyable experience, yeah. you know. Um And often the ones that you enjoy writing are the, the ones you enjoy listening to, you know. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it should be an easy enough process. Like, so later, after we chat, uh Gabrielle, my partner, she's doing like this sort of writing camp at the moment for her album. Like she, like you were saying, and like I was saying, she has writers she likes working with. And, like, there's one guy in particular she's been working with since the beginning of her career. They work really well together. And, I mean, like, he's also a big shot songwriter. Like, he's done, mm-hmm. he's been, he, he's written on Lewis Capaldi's ad, Like, you name it. He's done so many yeah. massive sessions. Him and uh, his, he collaborates with a guy called Ed as well. Nick, Nick Atkinson, this guy's name is. I am going to drop uh, them a few things later on, and I might try and have a quick chat with him. Mm-hmm. He's like a jobbing songwriter, like one of these people I was talking about. I actually got put in a room with him when I started working like, early on with Hudson Taylor. It was actually the first songwriting. Song? It never came out. Um, it was the first songwriting session I ever did on my own. For some reason, Harry didn't make it to the session. And came up with one song with him there. It Never made it, never made it out. And then we wrote with him again on the second album, a song called Where Did It All Go Wrong? And it was great. And I really enjoyed that experience with him, like, the second time after, like, learning loads more. And, you know, when I first worked with him, I was hmm. not even 18. I was probably 17, 18. 18, probably. And he doesn't, he didn't play guitar or any instruments. And, I like, didn't understand that. And I was like, how are you a songwriter if you don't play guitar or yeah. any instruments? And then he's telling me he's a top liner, which is, which I'd <laughs> never heard of before. And a top liner yeah. is someone who only focuses on lyrics and melody. Yeah. So I just found that really interesting and I didn't know what to make of it at first and it was only until I had done loads of songwriting sessions and worked with loads more of uh, t- loads more top liners that I realized oh god this is actually a a thing and like so much of that is just about creating a good vibe in the room with the artist and you'll hear from our conversation Nick is a funny bastard like he'll have you laughing yeah. the whole day and and um yeah it's just it's a really in- interesting way of working and I can't wait to kind of just put a few questions to him. In your head, like what are the would be the top three two or three things you'd like to ask him as as a as an artist where you're at right now?
1: I'd ask um when does he think an artist should look to co writing? We were talking about I guess having something there to build from. So you yeah. established like I guess who you are as a songwriter and rather than going in there to find that. Mm. um so i just ask when does he think it's the right time is it like two songs in is it like an ep and is yeah. it just like does the body of work help it and then speaking of the body of work i'm just fascinated at the moment just with the way things are released um like people are releasing um singles over a long period of time and then it will end up under the same like um album it's like i think it's like a waterfall release strategy yeah. or something like that i'd just be interested in does writing an album at the moment just feel like you're writing a bunch of singles for a brand or for like the perception of how the artist um, is with their audience or is it still writing an album with a theme
0: well do you know what's really interesting and a lot of our conversations over the last couple of weeks has got me thinking a lot about this the album so Mm. you could be signed for one album and it could take you 10 years is like the album as a concept seems to really serve the record labels because there's no time limit on it. A single every month, two months or whatever, pumping them out until there's enough traction and then releasing it. Like, that might not serve you well contractually. Do you know, like, I got stuck in an EP trap. We released loads of EPs. And then next thing we know it, in one album cycle, we'd release 30 songs. That's bad. That could have actually been three albums. But I, I always felt like, oh, this is really annoying. We're just releasing loads of music and it's not yeah. contractually moving us along. So maybe that'll play into his question. Like it's actually not, he has nothing to do with that at all. And the label are just deciding when's best to drop the album based on how popular the song is.
1: But imagine an album. Um, well, you don't have to. You've, you've made three of them, but like I, I'm imagining an album like where like, I'd imagine it as like, okay, like track three, this is what I'd like to do. Or like And like, I imagine like, crafting it together um
0: that's what i thought for for 12 years honestly and that's what i thought and that's what the last hudson taylor album we managed to do is literally like have control over every part of the process and and that was when i was most happiest with music with the music and the creation side of it but just the business side of it was doomed you know so yeah it, it was it was never gonna carry on but yeah in terms of like that romantic album everybody Low. Well, not everybody, but most artists have in their head of that's yeah. how you create an album. It's like a vision, and it's like something you're going to follow through. I like to think of the album as a significant thing to work towards. That's what I've yeah. known my whole musical life, and I like thinking of music in that way. So it's, I don't know. It's, it'd be an interesting question to to pitch Nick, like because
1: I'd be so interested in his relationship with the songs that did release and, uh, you know. Have a billion streams.
0: We'll talk to him about it and we'll see what his connection is with the song. Like how, how connected is he to it? Does he, you know, like how, where did it come from as well? Because I, like there are some parts of his job that are quite calculated, I will say, yeah. do you know, and, and they have to be because that's how pop music is. So there's yeah. like a lot of it, which I've, I find some of the co-writing stuff I've experienced and, and heard of and seen, you would find horrific. It would be very far away from the art of songwriting that you know and talk about. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, and I don't know would he be in this camp or not, but uh, it's it's we'll interesting. Find it. You'll find out exactly. Look, the song is key, and it's, there's, it's a dark art writing songs. Like, everybody has a different way of doing it. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's been really interesting to talk about it. We're about to hear from Nick Atkinson. I'm going to head down and chat to him now and just I try and get 10, 15 minutes. I'll get as much as I can across to him as uh, someone who does this for a job. I'm going to ask him all sorts. And yeah, send me over your questions as well. And we'll we'll sort that. Do I need to stay still? That's perfect. I can hear you really well. Okay. And look, there's guitar going on in the background. This is a fucking songwriter. Brilliant. Yeah, this is perfect. (laughs) It's going to be good. I'm here with Nick Atkinson. As I told you earlier, uh, the famous songwriter, and was is it true? Gabrielle Lapman put you on the map, didn't she? <laughs> she? She would
3: like to say so, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm only having a
3: laugh. I'm she only did put a laugh. me on the Well, she put me on the map as a songwriter, mate. That was definitely really? my first foray into writing for other people. When was that? That would have been 2000. And when did the album come out? 13, so maybe like 11,
0: 12. She'd have been like, what, 18, 17, something like that? 16, 17. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. and you wrote what please don't say so you love me
3: we wrote that later on we wrote that just before we had an argument about that song because we wrote it on that last ep that home ep that came out oh, yeah. for her album yeah
0: yeah
3: and we wrote that i think just before we were, we'd already decided on the songs for the home ep cool and we were really happy with it we thought yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great bunch of so this is going to do the business get her signed and mm-hmm. enable us to make a record with her and we wrote, Please Don't Say You Love Me. And I remember having an argument with James. He was like, right, this has got to go on the EP. I was like, no, we okay, really? got to save it. Save you it for the that. album. I said, like, we, got to, we should save it, was it for strong, the album. You thought I it was think strong me album. and Gabby, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said. Save it for the album, really strong. Imagine going to labels going, this is our EP that we really believe in. Plus, we've
0: got a song in the bag, ready like, to go. This. Cool. Yeah. And you said James. So that was, you knew James, Gabrielle's manager. That's how she got in the session with you? Would you say, or that's how you that's the how got the session with her? I got the session with
3: her. I see. It was, James was, I was in a band, mm-hmm. and James was basically the day-to-day at the label, so he was the closest. We did a 360 deal. A horrible 360, okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And um, and he was our day-to-day, so he was the
0: closest we had to a manager. So you'd start that band, and then what you wanted to become a songwriter. So I stopped
3: that band, and I was writing for myself for a bit, and then. Mm-hmm
0: um
3: well that petered out in a hurry that petered out with the guy who i was writing the guy who was a record company exec saying he thought i was too old old
0: and you're happy you got into songwriting then i'd say
3: well i'd say so now yeah definitely i think like like you said gabby started my true journey as a songwriter as like, like a I, jobbing
0: songwriter sort of thing
3: well yeah i think no i think i was a jobbing songwriter before, before that it. so i okay. was uh sony i basically had a weird where um boy's own cup okay. that's like their comeback single. okay cool. and suddenly sony publishing who had my publishing for a long time woke up and like this oh, guy. but it became quite clear to me early on that they were just putting me
0: in Anything? Changed? Sessions, yeah. yeah. Stuff
3: that they couldn't say no to, I felt like. I was at the mm-hmm. bottom of a very long ladder. Okay, you know, There were some really big songwriters who were like top of the... And when, did that, when did that change? Uh, well, I actually got myself out of that deal. I said, I said to them through a manager I had at the time, look, this, you know, I'm not doing anything for you. You're not doing anything for me. Let me go. Cool. And they did, um, kindly and I think I'd already started writing with Gabby, like James approached me and said, I found this girl, Mm -hmm. I think she's amazing,
0: but I don't know what she is, like can you help me figure it out? Cool. And like, that's how Gabrielle got in the room with you, that's how you got in the room with Gabrielle, how does an artist do that now? Is it through your management now, is it through your publisher now, or? Uh, Well, I, published in, well not a month already, okay so someone listen, yeah. new artists like okay. god yeah know. so it's new artists, artists generally awesome. we
3: find them from record companies you or find them from management
0: okay.
3: yeah yeah I think that well we've been lucky enough to be relatively successful in like, like singer songwriter field yeah so I yeah, think yeah. if you're an upcoming singer songwriter you you'd be on their radar I'd say and take
0: so yeah, yeah. And vice versa, yeah and so would it normally mm-hmm. come from like a management company or a Publisher, or, I mean, or would it ever be a case it, of an artist reaching it's out? Well, you, sometimes is it is,
3: yeah. Really, sometimes a, an artist reaches out. Um, a lot of the time, yeah, it's through, through connections we've got in the industry, yeah, and yeah, our yeah. men, other managers, okay. And you know, we, you know, you have to be active on social media these days, you can get a sense for. Like if you hear a great voice and they've got good followers and they've and got good songs. Do like. you
0: how much of that do you play a part in? Like if someone turns up, like will you always have a say in who it is or will you just go with what your trusted people
3: I think I always give, need to you, feel something. So
0: you you'll Yeah, you'll have I think a I have to, to and, I
3: think and, yeah. like you know, it gets sent to me from management or Well mainly from management or like from what we're looking at and if we like a song, like a lyric, hear something in the voice, Mm -hmm. I think you have to
0: feel... You have to feel something. Yeah. When do you think it's like a right for an artist to approach you or approach any co-writer?
3: I don't know the answer to that. I think it depends on potentially who you approach, I think.
2: You know, I would always
3: write with someone that I think has got an incredible voice,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: for starters. Yeah. Because I think that you can build from there. Yeah. And I think that what what I would personally do is I'd work with that person that has incredible voice a bit and figure out whether I think they're an artist. I see. There's a diff. You know, I feel like there's a different
0: from being a singer and different
3: to being an artist. Yeah, I think think there's lots of people that have got incredible voices, but. potentially not enough to say, or they don't know how to say it, they don't know the craft of songwriting. But the thing is,
0: so the first time I worked with you, you were like the first top liner I ever worked with, okay. and I never knew what a top liner was before that. Yeah. I'd always thought a song were fucking have a guitar or a piano, yeah. and so it was only when I met you and I realised the scale of what that is, like the vibe, the lyrics, the melody, everything you bring, like you said, bringing an artist out of their shell, almost. Well, I think
3: so, and I think, yeah, well, exactly that, like I tried to... So what, what is it what is it you want to say mm-hmm. what do you want to talk about what yeah. is it that you've got to get off your chest whatever yeah. it is and how can I add what I know or what I've practiced or what I've picked up to add mm-hmm. to what
0: you're trying to do to elevate? What happens if they've nothing to say, say again? What happens if they have nothing to say like they're just they they are either too, too nervous or they, well, you want they or you very don't. Long to that's what I was going to gonna say. What if you don't get on?
3: Well, I mean, yeah, that's a massive thing. Being able to get on with the passive things, you you'll know in the first hour. Have you had gonna
0: where are you going? Yeah, of course. <laughs> get I, on and, you person, know, but... as much
3: my fault as any, really? as their fault. You like, it's just dynamics. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. Not everybody's gonna like me. I'm not gonna like everybody. It's that's just the, yeah. it, yeah. just the way. Yeah, it works, right?
0: Um, cool. And in like an artist's career, do you? Is the album important at all, the wider context of things, or are you going for mostly singles?
3: Well, it depends what you're asking. You know who's asking me. To be
0: honest, yeah.
3: I think like if my if I've got my Nick Atkinson, the, the business head on singles, singles, yeah, counts. You know, um, and but if I've got my what am I going to spend a week in Somerset away from my family doing? It's going to be. This feels more like your work. I really it, yeah. love, yeah. And yeah. I love yeah. making an album. I love going on a journey. I think that um, the album is a underrated medium these days, and, and artists have real opportunity to say something and, mm. and take people on the journeys and, and let people escape. And I think we're losing that maybe in the single market a little bit.
0: Yeah. After the day happens, so you an artist comes in, what tell me from what what happens? An artist arrives at what time? Um much to my wife's consternation, <laughs> like midday. Yeah. <laughs> midday Mid, midday okay. is like
3: standard music time. Really? Okay. So like, why can't they start at 930 like normal people?
0: <laughs> and then you'll what? You'll you'll go straight into working on a song and then well, it depends,
3: like if it's first day with a new artist, like half the day is really spent just talking getting to know them and getting to know each other yeah. and and trying to establish a connection and mm-hmm. trying to find a, a medium that you can create in that you sort of can associate in um, so I, I, I tend to like doing two day sessions so I think you spend that first day getting to know them yeah, yeah. And you start something and the next day
0: you come in and hopefully that's mm-hmm. where stuff can really start going. Um, and then after the day, you've got to kind of, what, produce a demo? So
3: yeah, so after uh, the day, so I'm really lucky that I work with a guy called Ed Holloway, who um, is a brilliant producer and writer. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, we're always talking in the room because we want yeah. to work with artists, right? Yeah. We want to we want to do, we want to make an album. Yeah, So we're as interested in sonic and sound and, like, how does this fit in with your overall picture as we are with getting a great song. Ideally, they could leave the room with a song that they could start on their album. Is that... Well, I think that, like, we, from our early renegade days of how are we going to set ourselves apart and start hanging on yeah, to productions. Because, right. like, for example, Gabby's album. Yeah. I would say that I was pretty influential in cra- crafting her sound. Like, I feel like me Gabby knew yeah, what we, yeah. we wanted early on and we found a guy, Tom Wilding, who mm-hmm. could, like add to that sound, give us little bits if we wanted and then Mike Spencers finished it off. I see what you mean. So yeah, that was yeah. the moment where I was like, okay, well I know how I want things to sound. Mm-hmm. And you've developed yourself as a producer as well, well along so, the way. Isn't so, that? What, like, so what I did is I teamed up with Ed, who's an incredible, who's like very he's a great on the a great musician, Yeah, can do the things that I can't do, you know, I wanted to be Mick yeah. Jagger, not Keith Richards, so I didn't learn yeah, I to... Yeah. Play yeah. the guitar. So,
0: yeah, you're...
3: so 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 yeah, so like you know, we've had several projects. You know, he got involved with me when I was doing a lot of singer songwriter stuff, which was the world he came from. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time talking about that and then hear that him adding his more modern influences that probably has informed a lot of
0: what we cool. do cool. now. And he'll he what? Yeah. He had, Produce a demo by the end of the day. So he'll tidy the, it up, or, you know. He'll yeah. tidy it
3: up. He'll make sure the make it sound sounds right. amazing from yeah. all the takes we've got, and and yeah, make sure it's giving a really good impression of
0: how we feel about like the song. can be. Cool. Uh, and then just a couple more questions. More for people who have no understanding of how songwriting works or anything. Yeah. You don't get paid for this day's work, do you? Like you, you get paid after the fact, or you might be a <laughs> well, published strider or whatever. It's, but all,
3: it's all speculation.
0: And you know. That's it. So the song has to come out, has to get recorded, released and yeah. then you'll get lots some royalties after a little while oh and if it
3: doesn't get it played
0: doesn't you don't get paid and the crassest yeah you know, so the song might not succeed and you might have done two days with an artist getting to know them doing all this and yeah well we you
3: know we've already had instances of really artists that we've worked know, with that have been I've incredibly successful I've, I've and I've album tracks are not worth what they were when you were selling physical copies. interesting so yeah that. but then but then, you know, I I feel like following my my instinct and my love of music and love of artists, working with artists mainly and trying to find finding artists that you connect with and that you can help mm-hmm. for me. And I've been really lucky in that I've done that, you know, and there have been a lot of you know, Gabby and Dean Lewis and Lewis Capaldi that have made sure that I can still love the thing I do without having mm-hmm. to think about. You know, you spend a long time, you know, you know, you've got, we all got into music mm-hmm. in this utopian ideal of like, holy shit, this is what I love. Yeah. It's our like hobby, right? Uh, yeah. A lot yeah. of people have a job and then they have a hobby. Mm-hmm. And we were yeah. lucky slash cursed yeah. enough to amalgamate too. And you have to, I still think you have to love what you do to get that
0: business side. Absolutely. Well, that comes from, I think. That comes from believing in it. Believing in it and believing in the people you're working with, I suppose. (coughs) And hopefully, with that comes.
3: Well, great artists. I think great artists, you know, great artists and great songs. Still, no matter how negative the industry is and how hard it is on songwriters and how much we are getting pinched and undervalued, Mm. I still think
0: value of the song is still so it's, nice. it's the key yeah yeah, yeah yeah well lovely chat. that was beautiful unless yeah. there's anything else you want to add anything you'd add to uh, I don't know songwriter now like what would you I don't know what piece what you advice? asking what
3: was the what's it like to be a songwriter now is that the yeah answer, I mean
0: or? I suppose what broke you as a songwriter both commercially and emotionally like what that would that kind of seem right into the podcast very well like what was your First moment your best moment. Yeah.
3: You don't um, have to tell me
0: who was involved.
3: I don't think I've had. I mean, I guess my best moment as a songwriter really was Gabby's first record. Cool. That was a huge success. But, yeah. I felt like I had a big part of. She would probably argue otherwise, <laughs> but like, you know, so, you know, I had all the singles, seven tracks. I felt like I gave a part of me. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's that was great, and and I took so much gratification from seeing her rise. like that. That that for me was a big thing, like coming out of being in a band and it all being about yourself to be able to put in the same love and level of commitment and emotion, and then be
0: happy for somebody
3: else to kind of ride that way. That's really cool. And uh, like, no,
0: no better example of. How good that relationship is uh, then the factors we're still are literally here. in the same still kitchen here. right now <laughs> and still, say, okay, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah 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 i'm <laughs> drinking whiskey um, i yeah. still working together and yeah it's a really good example of a good collaboration and on that note we will uh we'll end it there Thanks so much Nick. Right, man. fucking legend thanks a million for listening everybody if you do like this podcast please remember to like comment subscribe chat get involved as you can hear we love to chat to people so please do reach out and uh, let us know what you're thinking uh, there's other ways you can support us as well first quite simple way just tell one friend you think might like the podcast otherwise we have a patreon page and a tip jar as well uh, we really do appreciate anything you can do to help us out and to get this podcast out there thanks a million for listening again talk to you next week